Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad for Podgo. I recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O co. Don't forget to add our podcast, Chatter from the Cheap Seats, from the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. If you have a show, go to Podgo. Welcome, 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 everybody, to the newest episode of Chatter from the Cheap Seats. I'm Jack, along with Sammy and Ori. Uh, Sammy is wearing a black Nike hoodie and a blue Chicago Cubs hat. Ori is wearing his trademark white (laughs) V-neck. Oh, it's not a V-neck. It's just normal. That's a a step up for you. That's a step up. Just a plain white T-shirt with his trademark toothy smile. And we are going to have a great episode today. Sammy, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. A lot of sports stuff, so that's been on my mind. Not all of it good uh, from my perspective, but we'll get into it. We have a lot to talk about today. Or how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing very well. Um, if the Buckeyes win today, it will go down as the best three-day stretch of football I've ever witnessed. Yeah, that's Coming right. Today, we are recording on Monday, January 11th, so... It is the day of the national uh, championship for college football. That's, that's exciting. I mean, I'm, if you've been following the show, you know that I don't really watch or follow college football too closely, but I'm definitely going to tune in because, you know, I'm it, obviously rooting for Ohio State because if you're rooting for Alabama, just get out. I hate, though, I hate how they make it on a school night. They do it every year, and they make it late. Like, it doesn't start until 8 o'clock, I'm pretty sure, and they always do it on a school night. They can never do it on, like, a Saturday night or a Friday night, and it, it kind of sucks, you know? Kind of yeah, sucks. Yeah, I see what you mean. They, but, weed out, they weed out all the fake fans, Jack. Really? I mean, I'll watch. Don't get me wrong. But, Ori, you just got straight into the sports. But, you know, I want to hear how your day was. You know, I want to hear what's going on in the mind of Oriachin before we get to the sports, because trust me, we will get to the sports. You know, some days I say we have a full slate of sports when we don't have any sports at all. Today, this is no joke. We have the playoff football games. We have Lindor, the blockbuster trade, Kyle Schwarber, some big moves in baseball, some big talk in baseball, but mainly the football, crazy amount of football news that we will get to very shortly. But first, Ori, tell me how you're actually doing. I am doing marvelously well. Not only am I happy because of some sports that went my way, including the Ravens win against the Titans, but also I've been playing lots of video games. Um, School has been pretty easy coming back from break. So I've just been playing video games and uh, I've, uh, I've enjoyed my time. Winter break, the, the winter break, like coming out of winter break and coming out of New Year's, I feel like is the hardest transition. Yeah, the entire year because you know I'd, I'd say another arguably hard tra- tra- um, transition transition. Word pod. Oh my god, word pod is coming back from summer break, but I feel like they kind of ease you into that. Like you have like a half day, you're like you don't really do anything the first day. Yeah. Maybe you get homework, a light homework the second day. 
you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but-, but I feel like coming back from New Year's, coming back from winter break, it's like a freaking truck, man. I had coming back from break, I think I had like two tests like within the first like week. I like it is no joke. I mean, that entire yeah. transition is hard and I've been feeling it. School kind of sucks right now, but I've also just been so occupied with football and stuff. I'm keeping myself busy with that. Been very happy. And yeah, man, I've just, I've been doing well. I've been playing a lot of NBA 2K. I've been getting back into that. You on 21 or 20? 21, 21. 21, all right. And I'm trying, you know, my GM, I think that's, it's a very underrated yeah. GM, because Madden kind of sucks. Although I wish Madden, Madden franchise mode is cool because, you know, in baseball, you can't really trade picks. You can do that in Madden. There are a couple of other features Madden that you can't do in, in MLB The Show. MLB The Show is probably the best one as of now. Yeah, You can make a legitimate case for NBA, but, I mean, NBA is up there, and I feel like it's yeah. highly underrated. Yeah, well, I, I've always – I kind of think NBA is probably the best one. I mean, it's definitely I – mean, Yeah, that's NBA fair. NBA and MLB. I mean, because Madden, you just look at it, it's so, like, bland. And like, it's like it stuff? has the most opportunity. It, well, like, it could I, be so cool. Well, it could be so cool, but they just haven't done anything with it. And they're adding like SpongeBob to the game. Like, what are you doing, Madden? I mean, it's so <laughs> dumb. I mean, because I, I, I used to love doing that. And, you know, before they kind of changed, like, you know, Madden 15, 16, like franchise mode was like pretty fun. Since like 17, it's been the same mode every year. And I hate that. Um, but yeah, let's get into the sports. Let's stop talking about fake football and Madden because we got a lot of real football and we're going to go through all of the games. We're going to give our takeaways. We're going to give some hot takes we have. We have a lot to talk about. First, we're going to go in chronological order, Bills, Colts, and- Oh, are we a cron a- pod? Hmm? Cron- are we a cron pod? I suppose we are, but Bills, Colts- it was the first game, and a lot of people were kind of writing off the Colts. A lot of people were really high on the Bills, and the Bills played well. Josh Allen played very well, but the Colts were right up there with them the entire go- the entire game. And it was just, as Phillip Rivers even said, a few crucial mistakes that really cost them that game. What were those mistakes, and where do you think the Colts went wrong? And do you think they're going to be competitive again next year? I think it's going to be interesting. I think a lot of it depends on who their quarterback is. I don't think it's going to be Phillip Rivers. I think Phillip Rivers is going to retire. He had a hell of a career. Yeah. A lot better career than most people think. I mean, when people, when oh, you think of Phillip Rivers, like, do you think of him as like a Hall of Famer? I mean, I don't think a lot of people do, but I think Phillip Rivers is going to be a Hall of Famer because he, yeah. he has a lot of accolades. He's like an eight-time Pro Bowler. I mean, he's pretty ridiculous. He was a great quarterback, and he just got put in a really bad situation with the Chargers, Chargers. for the majority of his career. But, I mean, if you look at that game, the Colts were running the ball down the Bills' throat, and I think that's going to come back to bite the Bills in the, the Ravens game because they couldn't stop the run against the Colts. I don't know how they're going to be able to stop the run against the triple threat yeah, it, of Baltimore. It, it, but we'll get to that a little bit stop later. Naheem Hines, you're not going to be able to stop Lamar Jackson. No, uh, Jonathan Taylor, too. Well, both of them, yeah. I mean, it, the Colts have a very underrated run game. I'll put it that way. I mean, because they had Max been out for a while now. But, I mean, when they have all those three guys healthy, you have Mac, Taylor, and Hines, three guys who are fully capable of being good running backs in this league. And if they could even get a quarterback – We'll talk about it later. Maybe Deshaun Watson, 
who can get some stuff done on his feet, you know, it, it'll be like a four-sided run game for the Colts. And that's how they stayed in that game. And there were some times where there were some very aggressive coaching decisions. Uh, Frank Reich, I know there were a few times they went for it on fourth down that you're kind of, what? Well, why are they doing that? And I feel like that's where they threw the game away. It was Frank Reich um, just being too aggressive. And that's how the Colts lost it. I mean, the, the talent, the personnel, they gave it their all. And they honestly outplayed the Buffalo Bills. It was just some coaching decisions that put them behind. And the Colts should be excited for the future because they really have a great core defensively and offensively uh, to be a good team in the future. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, Frank Reich might have lost them the game, but I think it's kind of important too uh, against a team like the Bills to stay aggressive. Um, yeah. Kind of like the same philosophy you have against a team like the Chiefs that, you know, the Bills are closely compared to at times um, because they have a very electric quarterback and they have an offense that can score in a hurry. So staying aggressive, especially when you have a quarterback like Philip Rivers who might not be able to win in a shootout, um, I think it's good to stay aggressive. He might have been a, a touch overly aggressive, but I'd rather have that happen than him be conservative. But yeah. I think the real um, question is, is if this Bills team, you know, going on into the next round, if they can, um, you know, defend the run. And that, you know, they were lucky they didn't lose to the Colts um, because they let a lot of run, uh, rushing yards. Um, and it just came down to Phillip Rivers not being enough. And I think that it's going to leave a sour taste in his mouth, but he's going to end up retiring. I mean, he, he had a long career. You know, Jack said he had a great one, and I agree. He has 11 kids, so I'm sure he's busy with that too. So yeah, he'll, yeah. He'll, have, he'll have plenty to do when he retires. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the Bills, and I don't think we should be doubting them because I think it's just the Colts are a much better team than – people give them credit for I mean the AFC this year was ridiculous uh, they were the lowest seed in the playoff in a 17 field and they were 11 and 5 it is a great field of teams and uh, Josh Allen played very well against a good defense he had no interceptions he was 26 for 35 324 yards and as a Bills fan I'm not complaining that is exactly what I want to see out of Josh Allen he looked great he looked like the MVP caliber quarterback he's been all year and you want him to be. So at the end of the day, that's the core of what I want to see against uh, in this next playoff game. Let's see against I'm blanking. They're going to be playing right. The Ravens, of course, but um, that's what you want to see against what has been a very good Ravens defense. You want to see Josh Allen go out there and ball out. And that's what he did against the Colts. That's what he's been doing all year. So I still have confidence in the Buffalo Bills, even though it was a closer game against the Colts than some may have thought it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, the Bills really got dominated in the first half of the game, yes. but they came back nicely. And I think it's kind of interesting how the game ended on a Hail Mary for them, kind of exercising some demons there, I feel, in a way. Because we forget, the. I mean, what was the Bills' record? 15-1, and 14-2? They would have been 14-2. and two. Bills- Without no, I think they were record. they weren't thirteen and three, were they? Yeah, Bills they record. They were thirteen. Oh yeah, you're right. They were. So they would have been fourteen and two without the Hail Mary. So it's basically like, I mean, that Hail Mary was, you know, it the was Hill, Kyler Let's Murray. I mean, that was just ridiculous. I mean, it, I mean, yeah, that just goes to show you how good play. But it, it was luck. Now speaking of a team, Sammy, that could have used some luck. The Seattle Seahawks. 
going against the Rams in, I mean, what was a very fascinating game. You got a great defense in the Rams and a putrid offense going up against a great offense, or so we thought, against a putrid defense. And Aaron Donald was hurt. Jared Goff was hurt. Then he wasn't hurt. hurt. Then he was hurt. You, you know, the Rams, a putrid defense. Or, or no, the, I said the Rams have a putrid offense. Okay, okay. I, 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 I was gonna say, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, Sammy. I mean, who do you think I am here? Come on. All right. But yeah. it was yeah. interesting to see how the game played out because it was kind of the best up against the best and the worst up against the worst. So, you know, I was into that game for a lot of that game, and I felt like Seattle. They were never being blown out. I feel like but they were never really in it. Like I feel like the Rams just like gave them a taste and then was like, okay, that's too much. Like you're, you go away now. And I feel like Russell Wilson did not play great. Yeah. They never brought the intensity and that concerns me. Like when you look at the Seattle offense, I mean, Chris Carson is good, but was underwhelming. I mean, you know, they, they have some decent pieces at receiver. I mean, DK Metcalf is awesome, but besides that, not too deep there. This offense is Russell Wilson, and you look at the stats, and when Russell Wilson, let's see, I mean, majority of their wins, 9 out of 12 of their wins are when Russ has a QB rating over 100. So they're really dependent on Russ having that, you know, these great performances, and Russell Wilson can't be Superman every day, and, you know, he hasn't been, and that's when they end up losing these games because they have to count on Chris Carson to, you know, make some plays and they have to count on their defense to make them some stops and their defense and their rushing game is not adequate. It's just not. And that's concerning to me. They never brought the intensity that they should have had to that game. The Rams wanted it more. And yes, it does fall a lot on Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson should not be the sole factor uh, contributing to wins for the Seahawks. He's the only reason they win games when they lose, when they win when they lose, he is the reason they lose. And that is not what you want. You want your QB to be important, but not that important. I agree with that a hundred percent. Now, Ori, just as a Ravens fan, what was going through your mind in the Ravens game? Okay. Cause I know there were some ups and downs here with the Titans and the Ravens. We know it's a big rivalry coming up. The Ravens had to exercise some demons here. They get down, not awful, but pretty, pretty decently in the first first quarter, first half. Lamar has that touchdown run to end the second quarter. I think that was a huge momentum shift. Uh, what was just your mindset from the take us from the first quarter to the fourth quarter through your eyes? Well. You know, to start, um, you know, we started with a quick three and out on us defensively, which was really good, um, stopping Derrick Henry. And, you know, to win that game, we would have to stop Derrick Henry. I, I don't think Ryan Tannehill can win this game, right? And Marlon Humphrey was on A.J. Brown one-on-one, and I felt confident about that match. He did matchup. a great job. Um, and he did a great job. He was yeah. phenomenal. But they go up 10 nothing. Um, A.J. Brown did score a touchdown. Uh, it was a push-off. That was like – it was a big push off but regardless we're down 10-0 and everyone's talking about how not only is Lamar not clutch but we have not won a game when we're down 10 since 2016 so it's been a while since we've come from behind because this team as a heavy rushing team you know we're we're 
programmed to win when we're ahead. You know, we, we get the lead and then we keep the lead. We manage the clock and we can't do that um, when we're down. But luckily throughout the whole game, even when we were letting points, we were stopping Henry. He had 2.2. Um, that was how many yards he was averaging per rush. Like we dominated him. And, you know, you mentioned it, Jack. When we scored that, um, when Lamar had that crazy run, he was trying to run um, a lot during that first half and was unsuccessful. And then he broke out a big one. And um, that was one of the runs that was not designed. It was a pass through and through, and then he just scrambled out of the pocket. And I think that's when Lamar does most of his damage. And so once we had that, we had the momentum and we were stopping their offense. Um, So I was feeling really, really good. And um, and yeah, then we just managed the clock. We weren't able to really dominate, but Lamar Jackson was able to find a second gear. He was able to find that next level. And he really took over in that second half. His stats don't show him being amazing, but he was exactly what we needed at the time. And the defense, the defense is what really won us the game. Yes, Lamar was great, um, including Marquise Brown, who finally had a good game, um, which was a long time coming. But it was the defense. Stopping um, stopping Derrick Henry was priority number one, and we did that. And then the one-on-one coverage from Marlon Humphrey and, um, and even some of our safeties was incredible. So it was the defense that won us this game, but I think it really gives a lot of confidence to this whole offense and defense. I'm really excited going into the Bills game. I would Corey, I have a question for you. All right. Out of all the quarterbacks that played on Super Wild Card Weekend, they added the Super. They added the Super. It was Super. It was Super Duper. But out of all the quarterbacks that played on Wild Card Weekend, which quarterback do you think had the lowest QBR? Lowest QBR? Russell Wilson. Uh, QBR rating. Uh, Could be Jared Goff, but I, I would bet – Russell Wilson. Okay, here's what we'll do. We'll make this a game. So, Sammy, you'll get you'll guess first, then Oregon will alternate, okay? All right. I mean, I would have to guess it's Russell Wilson. That is wrong. That Corey, is wrong. your guess. Interesting. All right, I'll go uh, Jared Goff. Nope. All right, wait, wait. Um, actually, I think it might be Lamar because he didn't throw any touchdowns and, like, he had a pick. Not- that is incorrect. Okay, not Lamar. Um, Tannehill? It's, you know, it's not your guess, Sammy. Yeah, it's not your guess, Sammy. Yeah, come on. Yes. Um, <laughs> we'll just have to keep yeah, going here. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Sammy's guess. We'll go with Tannehill. Oh, you're stealing his guess, yeah. Sammy. Sammy, how does that feel to have your guess stolen? You were was so close it, to victory. Was it Tannehill? It was not Tannehill, no. Oh. It wasn't Tannehill. Well, then, um, oh, you know who it was? It must have been Big Ben. No. Yeah, okay, first of all, Big Ben played awful, but, I mean, he threw for 500 yards, which is kind of funny. Yeah, because I was like, wait, no, because that was a great, that, you know, super offensive game. I mean, yeah, it, was it's it Ori's, it's or It is Ori's get. You know, Sammy, come on. You know, oh, you, you have some it? obedience here. It's Ori's guess. Let's go. All right. Yeah. Um, Putting my foot down. Okay. okay, so he gets Big Ben. Is it Philip Rivers? It is not Philip. Oh Rivers. my God! Right. It's definitely Mitchell Trubisky. It is not Mitchell Trubisky. All right, fuck. Is it Heineke? It is Heineke. Oh, I mean, after oh. about fifteen <laughs> guesses, 
it is Heineke. And, and you know, I just thought this was a fun stat. It means nothing because Heineke gave them a he, he he gave them a chance to win, which is oh. all you can ask for. He was so great. I don't like like, like this not. stat literally means nothing. I just did it because I wanted to see how long it would take for them to guess and it took us a while. It took a long time. <laughs> it took us a while. I mean, Heineke QB rating or not, whatever. Uh, he was great. And he was great. The bottom did, line is, did, I mean, it was like a few months ago, he was like preparing for exams at Old Dominion. He was taking college classes. Yeah, he was taking college classes. And now, crazy. Now he's a free agent and teams are going to want him. I don't, you know, he could be a starter, but teams are definitely going to want him to be in that conversation. You know, a lot of teams are in need of quarterbacks as well. The New England Patriots come directly to mind. Cam Newton was god awful this year horrible and he's a free agent and they i think they're going to want to have a competition they're going to want to bring in some guys and see who can come and you know emerge as the top and heineke is a perfect guy to put in that conversation you know maybe you bring in some other backups who have had relative success and have them battle it out yeah i think that could be very interesting and he was just great, and it's look, fun to see guys like that prove themselves on a big look, stage. I don't think he's the long-term solution for Washington. For I don't. But I think that the fact that a couple weeks ago he was taking college courses at Old Dominion, and now he might have just played himself into a career NFL backup, which is one of the best jobs in sports, being a backup quarterback in the NFL. You get If he can be a backup quarterback for the next five to six years, set up his family for years to come, retire at an early age. Because, I mean, you're still going to – you're still making, what, $500,000? What's the league minimum? It's I mean, something, something like that. I mean, I, I think he'd make he'd make more but, than minimum if he was signed to be like a second string or something. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it, it's a, he would be making at probably like maybe – over he would be making over six hundred thousand dollars a year, and if he can do that for five or six years, that's a lot of money. And all because he played great in one game—that's pretty crazy. Like if you're Taylor Heineke, this is a great week for you. Well, and you know you mentioned the QB rating, and that's definitely an aspect of it. But the most impressive thing was that he was, besides Lamar Jackson, the best quarterback with his legs. In this super wild card weekend, you can also make an argument for Josh Allen, I suppose. But Taylor Heineke was really moving around very well. He had a rushing touchdown. He was seeing these holes that I think a lot of guys don't see, and he was able to get through them. He's athletic, and for a guy that you know has had a pretty crazy career path and thought maybe his NFL days were over, for him to be able to do that with that much athleticism it's tough to see why he wasn't on an NFL team. And you hear these other members of the Washington football team talk about him and his leadership and what he brought to that locker room. And it, it makes you question even more why he wasn't on a team. All these guys mention how he's such a leader and he brought a fire and he, he's a fighter. And those are all the things you want uh, from a quarterback in the NFL. And it's crazy that he wasn't on a team. He'll definitely be on an NFL team next year, starting or not. We will see. It'll be interesting to see how that, how, that, how that plays out, depending on which team signs him. Maybe it'll be the Washington football team. Maybe it will be the New England Patriots. We'll just have to see. But exciting things will come for sure uh, for Taylor Heineke, and you'll definitely see NFL playing time again. 
So yeah, you know, as you said, as you mentioned, Sammy, Heineke was incredible moving in the pocket and running um, for yards. And that's the new thing in this league. You know, you look at all the, all the best quarterbacks in the league and they can all move. Even older guys like Aaron Rodgers can still move outside of the pocket. Maybe not, maybe not like Lamar, but he's not, not super well, but I mean, yeah, Lamar is but on a whole nother level. Yeah. But he can still buy some it's Lamar. No, no. It's Daniel Jones, Lamar <laughs> oh, Jackson, and everybody else. Okay. Oh, okay. Daniel Jones is nothing. I would. I, Heineke runs much better than Daniel Jones. That's okay. That's false. That is. That's not true. Daniel Jones is Daniel like Jones legitimately straight line, He has straight line speed, but Taylor Heineke is agile, and that's exactly. that, you can't say that because you're thinking of that one play where he tripped and fell. Daniel Jones has scored on 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 lo- large rushing touchdowns, like ten yards or more, at least five times this year. Like. He's been he's made moves like he's not just a straight line runner. I know he that's what you think. Corey. Straight line runner. I'm sorry. Look up Daniel Jones rushing highlights this season. He is agile. He's vanilla Vic baby, and he's had the fastest run this season. So all right, all right. I don't know what you're saying. I think we got a little off topic here. All right, all right. Athletic guy. This is not worth the the time. Anyway, as I was saying, Heineke is going to be really interesting to see where he ends up and if he starts. Um, I think he can start. Um. But we'll just have to see, and we'll have to see which team he goes to. But um, it's going to be interesting nonetheless. All right. Well, let's move on. We already talked about the first Sunday game. The second one, um, it was broadcast on Nickelodeon, which was interesting. I did not watch it on Nickelodeon. I watched the pregame stuff. And uh, from what I have observed, I find Nickelodeon it was on my interesting, TV. to say the least. Um, did, did either of you guys watch it on Nickelodeon? Or were you guys I, normal and watching? I couldn't. I couldn't find it on my TV. Look, people are hating on it. People love it. It's horrible. How it's can bad. you hate on it though? Like, it's not meant for you. It's meant for little I, kids. Yeah. Like, like how? Like, if you don't like it, don't hate on it. Just watch on CBS. Like, it's not a big deal that, at that's all. That's what like, I did. You know, if you I, like it, you can watch it on. If you have a young kid that you're trying to get him engaged in football, watch it on Nickelodeon. If you don't want to watch it on Nickelodeon, watch, it on, watch it on CBS. There is literally no. There's nothing bad. Like, what are you possibly hating on? Like, well, I, I just thought, thought some of it was tacky, but that's just but me. it's not but, meant for you, Sammy. So it, it, it can be tacky, like, but you know, with CBS, I just before you actually talk about this game, Jim Nance and uh Tony Romo, best broadcast, best broadcasting crew in football, the 17 million dollar man, he's overrated. I see, I like, I really like Tony. I Romo. mean, if he I has think one more, ooh, not. this is Tony analyst. Romo. This is Tony Romo broadcasting a play. Okay, so Sammy, you're Jim Nance. I'm Tony Robo, Romo. So call, just call a play. Just call a play, and I'll be Tony Romo. All right. Big Trubisky play, big play. Throws down the field. And oh, ooh, ooh, ah, way, oh, ah, eh, oh, mm, ah. Like, Tony Romo, that's what he does. Like, he steps all over J- Jim Nance. He's inexperienced. He makes some great analysis, but at the same time, he's a big oor and our. I, I, just, see, I disagree. I, I think uh, Tony Romo... He's one of the few guys who like he adds interesting like points to the game that makes me like it actually like increases my yeah, knowledge. But at the same time, I'm, a lot of a lot of guys don't do that. I'm a lot of a it is pretty fan. bland. It's stuff I already know. Tony Romo has a perspective that is unique and he takes advantage of it. And I love it. And even though it was a tough game to watch, those two guys calling it made it entertaining for me. And let, let's talk about this game now. Um Bears lose to the Saints 9 to 24, 21, something like that. But 
whatever the score was, it was bad. Oh, it was nine to twenty-one, but it was it was really like three to twenty-one. Yeah, I mean, it was um, Bears scored in the last play, which was an incredible catch by Jimmy Graham. Uh, Could have used it earlier, uh, but. The, the tough thing for me as a Bears fan with this game is that we could have won it. And it comes down to one play. One play set how that game was going to be. One play said, we're not going to win this game. And you guys know, if you watch this game, you know what I'm talking about. Mitchell Trubisky, a nice trick play, has like a flea flicker sort of thing. He has this perfect pass down the field. And you don't see that deep ball perfect from Trubisky all that often. And it was... I don't, I'm not exaggerating, a perfect throw. And it goes right through the hands like a basketball hoop of Javon Wims, who just had, you know, a pretty good catch like two minutes ago. And it's like, really, man? Uh, And that was the game. Because if you catch that ball, Bears are up 10-7 with all of the momentum. And that's huge. Your defense is playing well. And a lot of the game was that the Bears didn't have the momentum. They could never get that momentum. And their defense was on the field so much by the end of the game, they were just completely out of gas. And you don't blame them for that. I mean, the Bears' defense played better than they were supposed to. They weren't even playing that well uh, if you talk about the weeks leading up to the playoffs. But they played great against the Saints. And the offense gave them one chance, and they blew it. That was their chance it wasn't, to make that a statement. play would not have changed the game. They yes, still would have lost. Momentum is huge. Yeah, but they lost by – I know it was 9-21, to 21, but the – the Saints let up at the end. That game easily could have gone in. If, if the Saints played hard in that fourth quarter, 35 to 3, 35 to 6, it was not, it was not a, a good game at all. I mean, the Bears were over. But it was. I mean, the first no, half, it we was down by seven. Yeah, and they were I mean, they weren't being aggressive. Been, we would have been up by three yeah. or something, or tie game at the half. That's huge. I mean, I, I think that play would have just changed the complete trajectory of that game. And, you know, it didn't happen. He didn't catch it. And that's that. And now there are a lot of questions for the Bears. You know, the Saints are moving on. Breeze, whose career is probably going to be over after this playoff run. You know, he gets to move on, which is exciting if you're a Breeze guy. And it's going to be an announcer. But, but a lot of questions for the Bears, like I said. And I, from a non Bears fan perspective, what do you guys think? There are three guys who we, there have been a lot of talk Bears are going to move on from. Mitchell Trubisky, quarterback, Matt Nagy, our head coach, and Ryan Pace, our GM. And just from your guys' perspective, do you think all of them go, some of them, none of them? What's your take? Well, you know, I think 100% undoubtedly it's over for Trubisky. I, I think they've had enough. He had this little good stretch of fluke. But Uri, how about the, his MVP award? Oh, my God. Slap in the yeah. face. That's why I hate Nickelodeon broadcasting. I love how it's on his football reference page, too. That's hilarious. <laughs> no, we finally found the reason Sammy really doesn't like Nickelodeon. I don't know what's more of a joke, the fact that he has an MVP award on his pro football reference or the fact that he has a Pro Bowl award on his on his uh, got, football reference. He was good. He was not even bad in 2018, bro. No, but, well, it's, uh, what, two years? removed from 2018 so i don't think we're uh we're still in that phase of the nfl but i think trubisky you gotta move on um he does maybe he's like he's just not the, the move he, he will not win a super bowl he will not lead a team um he, he's not a franchise quarterback he seems like a pretty pretty stereotypical backup um now with matt Nagy, um i i don't really know um, yeah. I wonder, Sammy, if you have a better idea because I would think you give him like one more season because they made the playoffs. 
But yeah. then again, like, w- what do you do? It's it, it's really tough because he has moments where you're like, oh my god, this guy should not be the head coach. Then he has other moments where you're like, he's pretty good, and it's just a tough balancing because at the beginning of the year, I mean, one thing's clear: he's never going to call plays again in the NFL. He's horrible at that, and it worked in 2018. It was fine in 2018, but it just was not working anymore. And what I really like from him, and this is why I think the Bears should keep him. He was he was humble enough to give up the play calling and, you know, just take on other duties and just let, t- take his hands back and say, I'm not good at this. I'm going to do what's best for the team. And I, that's what I like from a head coach. He, he's made the playoffs twice. He was 12 and four with a Super Bowl caliber team in 2018. So he's had some success. And I think you got to give him another chance. I don't think it's his fault. Rex Ryan, I saw today, was blasting Matt Nagy earlier today, and I just disagree. I think, I think the players have a general respect for him. I think they like him. Maybe his play calling wasn't that great, but they like him as a leader and as a coach, and that's why I think you got to stick with him for one more year. Trubisky, I'm also very torn on because that was not a good game by any means. I mean, he had that great throw that you know was was not caught, but it was not that great of a game for Mitchell Trubisky. And what I'm just thinking is who are we going to get? That's going to be better than Trubisky next year, because the bears are good enough and they've shown that they're good enough to be good again next year with a few adjustments. So I, I who, who are you going to get? That's better than Trubisky. I don't think the bears are going to be willing to get Watson that we're not going to be willing to give away our first round picks. Who is going to be better than Mitchell Trubisky? What do you guys think? Like who is Jameis Winston? No, not Trubisky. He has more potential. Like Jameis Winston makes plays that Mitchell Trubisky cannot make. Like that's just. But he also, you know, had like led the league in picks. I don't like that. Trubisky. uh, Yeah, but he also led the league in yards. Right. I mean, so you know. Right, because he's throwing it. I I just think you have to move on. I, I think. Do you move on though from from Chuck Nagy? Like he's brought you to the playoffs Matt two Maggie, times in three uh, years. Chuck Pagano, our defensive. We oh, should oh, Matt Mag. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, why why am I saying together. Chuck? Chuck Pagano. But anyway, but, coordinator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know, but but I don't think they're not moving on from him. He's brought them to the playoffs two times in three years. I think you got to fire your GM just for the Trubisky mistake alone. I mean, you trade up in the draft, and you pass up on Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes to draft the truth. Mitchell Trubisky, I mean, come on. He's awful. Jameis Winston has – I would rather have Jameis Winston. If I – I can teach Jameis Winston to, to limit the turnovers. I can't teach Mitchell Trubisky to have more arm strength or make amazing plays. Jameis Winston makes plays that Mitchell Trubisky is physically not capable of making. When you watch Mitchell Trubisky – Sammy, you brought up early in the year. Oh, but his stats are so good. His stats are his stats are better than better than so and so. His stats are so good because the only passes that he has to make are bootlegs where he passes it two yards and David Montgomery makes a man miss and and, and runs the ball for a ten yard gain. That's all he does. Jameis Winston, <laughs> Jameis Winston makes throws that Mitchell Trubisky cannot make. You can That's teach Jameis Winston to limit the turnovers. You can't teach Mitchell Trubisky. To have a stronger arm. You can't teach Mitchell Trubisky 
to to make a guy miss in the pocket and throw the ball 50 yards down the field on the run through a absolutely small window. Like you can't teach greatness. You can teach limit to limit. You can teach players to limit turnovers. Yeah, I mean, and that's a fair point. I mean, Trubisky, a lot of what he does is in that short game. I mean, I feel like half our plays are those bootlegs to tight ends that we get like two yards out of, or and then like every now and then it breaks out for 20 or something. But at the end of the day, one thing's for sure. Our defensive coordinator, Chuck Pagano, has to be fired 100%. Um, I think Nagy, probably safe. Trubisky will probably go pace. Who knows? He's made a lot of dumb moves, Trubisky, but he's also had a lot of good picks. Darnell Mooney was a steal. Fifth round draft pick was like the 20 something receiver picked in the draft. And he's been one of the best rookie receivers in the NFL this year. So there's a lot of things yeah, I mean, to do. He, and he, he's a weapon. To watch. He's a weapon. I mean, I, there's been so many good wide receivers in this draft this year. I mean, Jerry, he's been Jr., one of the best. Justin ones. Jefferson. I'd say he's the fourth best is fair. Yeah, oh, I mean, fifth, sixth, but I mean, still, that's fifth, sixth. That's yeah, no, I'd say class. you got Justin Jefferson, CD Lamb, both of those, Jerry Judy, those three are better uh, outside of those three. Oh, Henry Ruggs, but is Henry Ruggs better? Chase Clay, is Chase Claypool a rookie? No, yeah, he is. Yeah, that's true. So it's six best, He's like probably sixth, seventh, six, seventh, yeah, but around there, we have one more game to go over here. No. Browns game o dealers and we were going into this expecting a battle expecting a dog fight and what did we get 28 nothing at the end of the first quarter uh, oh, i was expecting 28 nothing at the beginning of the first quarter just not the way it went yeah i mean that yeah wow i mean the browns i was sleeping on them last week i was down on them i was like they lost to the jets and they barely beat the steelers practice squad what's going on here and then they came out and they just proved me wrong and they proved me wrong. And I'm not going to sleep on the Browns again, because I really like this team and I could, I see how talented they are. What a game against the Steelers. What do you guys have to say on that? I mean, it was just insane. The way this game opened up, if you guys were not watching was just the most insane way a game can open. Flashbacks um, to the Super Bowl a couple yes, years ago, man. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Pouncey, one of the best centers in the league. He's a big-time veteran, throws, snaps the ball way over Big Ben's head, and it rolls in, and the Browns jump on it for a touchdown to start the game, 7-0. And then Big Ben throws a pick. There's a fumble. I mean, it's just madness. It's just absolute madness in the beginning of the game, 28-0 at the end of the first quarter. And it was the most – it was the biggest – or it was the most points scored by a single team in the first quarter of a playoff game. And, I mean, I don't think they could have scored any more. It was just like – play after play it seemed like they were scoring or in scoring position or were about to make a turnover it was just incredible to watch as someone who hates the Steelers um <laughs> so so yeah I mean now the Browns are gonna play the Chiefs that gives the Ravens an easier matchup against the Bills which I'm also happy about but that game was just insane insane yeah. there's no way you were expecting that Jack right no one was. No, no, I don't think anyone was expecting that. I don't think Kevin Stefanski was expecting that. Yeah, sitting on his couch. Or I mean, come on. Everything is stacked up against the Browns. They didn't even have coach the coaches. As a COVID and is at home. They don't have a head coach. I mean, I don't know how you lose that game as the Steelers. And the bottom line, the Browns just took advantage of opportunities. Their defense was incredible. I mean, that's really one of the games. I mean, that first quarter, 
they had like a pick, you know, the fumble at the end zone, which was not really forced, but, you know, say what you will. Really good job by that Browns defense. And it shows that they could be very underrated. We know that this offense has some serious weapons. We saw Baker Mayfield was really feeling it. Browns could be a fun team. And I know no one's really saying they're going to beat the Chiefs, which I don't think I'm going to say they're going to beat the Chiefs either, but don't count them out against the Chiefs. They have a lot to fight for. I think they have a huge chip on their shoulder after losing to the Jets. They still have that chip on their shoulder, and they, they're they a great team, talented, fun to watch. 100%. And the final, um, the final kind of NFL news we have before we go to our divisional round preview is that Doug Peterson, head former head coach now of the Eagles, gets fired. Um, we all know what happened to them in week 17 when he, you know, benched the starters, took out Jalen Hurts, lost that game seemingly purposely, purposefully. So, I mean, lots of the players were angry. I think this is a very, very good move from an organizational standpoint. Um, but I didn't expect it. Sammy, did you expect this to happen? Yes, I, I think I did. I mean, I think the players were all around livid. And, I, you know, there haven't been any reports of this, but I'm sure a lot of them went, you know, to upper management, you know, the front office. And I'm sure they were, you know, pissed that Doug Peterson made them lose that game. And as a player, I would be pissed as well. And when you have a whole group of players that is not behind you, you can't be successful. I think the Eagles made the right move. And I think that uh, decreases the likelihood of Carson Wentz being shipped elsewhere. Still could happen. But now that Doug Peterson, who we know they did not like each other, Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson. Now that you take Doug Peterson out, Carson Wentz may be able to stay in Philadelphia or that likelihood increases. We'll just have to see. But I think it's a good move. I think it was expected. And Doug Peterson... You know, I, he'll probably find a job somewhere, but what he did in week 17 is always going to be unexcusable. I have two words for Doug Peterson. Doug, I, I, I heard this on ESPN. On <laughs> Doug like Shoeless that. Joe Peterson, or Shoeless Doug Peterson, because he's the first player to tank a game that bad since Shoeless Joe Jackson. But I have two words for Doug Peterson. Good. Bye. That's one word, but no, it's not because I it was not goodbye is one word, but yeah, exactly. I didn't say goodbye. I said good. Bye. Separate words, Sammy. Word pod. But I am not going to miss you. I don't think Philip. I don't think Philadelphia is going to miss you. You know they have a statue of him. Doug Peterson. They have a statue of Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz. Or is it? I don't know if it's, it might be Nick Foles. It might be a, a statue of, yeah, of Nick, Nick Foles. Foles. Nick Foles. Nick yeah. Foles. I mean, that, that's well deserved, but they, I, I'm pretty sure they have a statue of Doug. Let me look it up. Statue of Doug Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. They have a statue of Doug Peterson in oh their God. stadium. They got to take that down. Did win the it, Super it's Bowl. Nick Foles. It's Nick did Foles win. and Doug Peterson. They win a Super Bowl. It's a, I mean, it says you want Philly, Philly, and then it says Super Bowl, uh, February 4th, 2018, and then, of course, it has Bud Light on both sides. Of it. That was one of the best Super Bowls in recent history. That was a good one. That was yeah. a great, that was a great 
It's nine feet. They have a nine-foot statue of Doug Peterson in their stadium. That is crazy. That is crazy. Now, another player that might have a statue one day is D. Sean Watson. Yeah. D. Sean Watson wants out of Texas. I want out of Houston also if I were him because he is not in a great situation there. Now, Ori, I'm going to give you a couple teams off the top of my head. I'm just going to list a team, and I want you to tell me the percentage chance that you think that he goes to that team. Okay? Patriots. 60%. Dolphins. Wow. Uh, Five. 49ers. Five. Uh, Football team. Five. Not even football team. Just team. Just team. Just team. <laughs> the Jets. Is that the Jets, no chance. Zero. Really? I don't think that's fair because the Jets, I think they actually have a pretty high chance because they have a ton of draft capital. They have the number two pick. They have another first-round pick. They have a bunch of draft picks. Sam Darnold. Like, the Jets have a lot of draft capital. In, they order, have... in order for the Jets yeah. to get Deshaun Watson, they would need to have a good front office, and that's something that they just but that's do. That's not true. The Jets have Joe Douglas, who won the Super Bowl in, in Philly. Like, the Jets have a good general manager. Like, he is a good, he's a well-respected GM around the league. Let's remember this. There is not an 100% chance Deshaun Watson is getting traded. I'd say that it's more likely that he's not going to get traded. I'd agree I think with these that. are more speculation. Okay, Sammy, we're going to go with you in the second half, okay? All right. Colts. Colts? I'd say basically no chance. I don't think they're going to bring him in. But Broncos. I Maybe lower, lower chance than the Colts. The Bears. 5%, but not likely. Giants, zero percent. I'm not very high on any of these guys. And the Bears, I just gave a little higher because you know they're they really have no quarterback. All these other teams, like the Colts, technically Philip Rivers, and then they have Jacoby Brissett. If worse comes to worse, and they can't get anyone else, Giants have Daniel Jones, who I think they want to believe is their guy. Broncos have Drew Locke, who they want to believe is their guy. Bears don't really have anyone unless they hang on to Trubisky, which doesn't seem very likely. My only thing with the Bears, I don't think they're going to be able to do it because all the first-round picks, they've given up for Khalil Mack. I mean, we missed a first-round draft pick for like the past two years because of the Khalil Mack trade. And you don't think they're your GM? And we're not, yeah, we're, Ryan Pace is not going to be willing to give up more first-round draft picks. This is going to be the first year that we have first-round draft picks since we drafted Roquan Smith. It's been a while, so... I don't think the Bears are going to be willing to give up first-round draft picks, and I don't think Houston is going to be willing to give away their perennial quarterback talent without getting first-round draft picks in return. So I I think out of all these teams, the Dolphins is the one that jumps out to me the most because Deshaun Watson has explicitly said that he might want to go to the Dolphins. Because he has a no-trade clause, so he can... Right. He doesn't have to go anywhere he doesn't want to go. Exactly. So he, he he's kind of thinking he wants to go to the Dolphins. I think the Patriots would be interesting. They have a lot of cap room. I think besides those two teams, maybe the 49ers, if they shave off some cap room, but all the other ones are long shots to me. Um, I think it would be tough for any of those other teams to get them, but I, I'd agree you never know. And it's going to be an interesting thing to watch because, you know, it's like the Lindor trade. Like 
it's, it seemed pretty likely, but we were wondering for a bit there, is it going to happen? Are the Indians going to hold on to him for another year? And we'll be talking about no, that. No, I, I don't think it's like that at all. I think, I think that the Lindor trade, I think we all knew that Lindor was going to get traded. Yeah, that's fair. There's that a very good life. possibility that Deshaun Watson doesn't. And as we transition over to baseball here, we have to get serious for a second. Because one of the best men in baseball, one of the best people in baseball, Tommy Lasorda, has passed away. Uh, he was the Dodgers manager from 1976 through 1996, 20 years. He was inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame in 1997. He is one of the best managers of all time. He's one of the best people of all time. He had an electric personality, and and, and it's a really sad uh, couple of days. It, it's a, It's been a couple of days since his passing, but it's a really sad time for baseball as we mourn the death of Tommy Lasorda. Yeah, he's a legend for sure. I mean, such a great guy and so much success. He had, like, you, you were kind of talking about a lot of his accolades, three World Series, he had a few pennants, and he was in the league 22 years as a manager. He only had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six losing seasons out of 22. That's incredible, and he's just, you know, what a guy, and uh it's so sad uh, that he, you know, he passed here in 2021 and, you know, the Dodgers love him forever. Baseball will love him forever. For sure. I mean, he, he was uh, possibly the best Dodgers manager of all time. I mean, he was, he was probably the best record. manager of all time. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's up there. Yeah, he definitely is. Up I there. mean, he is the best manager of all time or the best Dodgers manager of all time. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. But, um, Let's move on from that somber news and go on to something a little more exciting. We're going to the divisional round preview. Um, so as well, you guys know, football, in the right. yeah, back to some more football. Um, just to finish up kind of all we have on football. Um, we got NFC, AFC matchups. We'll start in the NFC. Jack, give me your take. Rams at Packers. I think, I think the Packers are going to blow them out. I think Jared Goff is not a good quarterback. I think we he's proven that. I think the Packers are the best team in the NFC. I think the Super Bowl is either going to be Packers Bills or Chiefs Bills or, or Chiefs Packers, which would be awesome to watch. But I think the Packers are. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, the MVP of this year, soon to be named. Uh, you got Jair Alexander, and for me, the most exciting part about this matchup is watching arguably the best quarterback in the NFL, top three, Jalen Ramsey, going up against not arguably decisively the best wide receiver in the NFL, Devontae Adams. That's going to be so fun to watch. However, like I said, I don't think it's going to be a close game. I think the Packers are just way more talented on offense and defense. Well, they're not more talented on defense, but I mean, on offense, and they have a, they're a solid defensive team. I think just overall, they're a much better team than the Rams, and it's not going to be a close game. See, I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Packers will definitely win, but I think just because it's going to be low scoring. I mean, I don't think – I mean, as great as this Packers it, offense – A lot of it also depends on if Aaron Donald plays. It's Right, but it's the best offense in football versus the best defense in football, which is obviously going to be very fun to watch and – it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think the Rams' defense is really going to hold them, and we know the Rams' offense isn't going to really be able to muster much. If Jared Goff is fully healthy, 
which I don't think he's going to be quite prepared. I mean, he had surgery like nine days ago, or like 10 days ago or something. It's ridiculous. And I, I, I just think the Packers will definitely come out on top. It'll be a close defensive game, but Packers are by far the better team. Or, yeah, um, I, I see what you guys are saying. Both of you guys are saying kind of different stuff. But I think with the Rams' defense, it's, it's really, really solid. They proved that against the Seahawks. But what I think it, it, it's different, um, you know, this Packers offense when compared to the Seahawks offense. Um, and they have the MVP in Aaron Rodgers. And I think that's kind of going to be the X factor. That's going to be the reason the Packers win. Um, I disagree with you, Jack. I don't think it's going to be a blot of any kind. Um, but I think the Packers will still win by one or two scores. Yeah. And uh, let's move on now to our other NFC matchup. And these are like the two, this is like the oldest uh, matchup of quarterbacks I think that's ever been in the playoffs. Brady Breeze, a lot of hype for this game, obviously, deservedly so. Who is it going to be that comes out on top? Because to a lot of people, it's not so clear cut. I mean, this is quite the incredible matchup. We're getting Brady Breeze, um, two of the oldest and best quarterbacks in the league. It's just amazing to see that these guys still perform year after year. And it's Breeze probably going to be his final year. It's um, probably the last one where we're going to see him play in the NFL. And, um, you know, from that standpoint, I want him to have some success. And I think that he will have success against this Buccaneers team. Um, The Saints are loaded. They're just a loaded team. They have such a good defense, such a good offense. Um, They have weapons everywhere. Michael Thomas is now coming back. You saw him score a touchdown. He's fresh. He's ready. Got some slime um, from Nickelodeon. Yeah, they, <laughs> he got slime <laughs> from Nickelodeon. I uh, didn't get Nickelodeon MVP, but you know that's besides the point. Um, so I, I and with like Alvin Kamara and all that, I think it's going to be too much for the Bucks. Um, and Breeze, with all of his experience, he's going to be able to pick up those blitzes that the Bucks love to run. Yep. And um, he's just going to overpower them. I see the Saints winning quite handily, although. The Bucks do have the offensive power to make this a closer game than some people expect. Yeah, I, I hope I hope that I hope the Saints win the Super Bowl. I I want Drew Brees to get another ring so badly. And you know, Ori, you joke about Mitchell Trubisky's MVP, but you know, five years from now he could be out of the league working at a Popeyes, and a little kid is going to come up to him holding his father's hand. He's going to be looking up at his father, nervous. Uh, Dad, Dad, is that Mitchell Trubisky? And, and the, the father's going to say, yes, son, that is the truth, Mitchell Trubitsky. And, and the, the, the MVP. Like, the son's like, do you think I can go up to him? And the dad's like, well, he's working right now. Don't bother him. So they're going to wait patiently outside until Mitchell Trubitsky's shift at Popeye's is over. He's going to be leaving Popeye's, and he's going to see this kid and his dad asking for an autograph. The kid anxiously holding on to his dad's hand, clenching his hand. And he asks Mr. Trubitsky, Mr. Trubitsky, can I please get a photo? I remember when you were the MVP of the league. And that is something that no one can ever take away from him in his lifetime. 50 years from now. Ah, he's going to live a long time. 100 years from now, on Mitchell Trubitsky's gravestone, it's going to say, Mitchell, Mr. Biscuits, the truth. <laughs> Trubitsky. Those are his two nicknames if you didn't know. Mr. <laughs> Biscuits. The truth. Trubitsky 
and then it's gonna say in parentheses N V P comma one time Pro Bowl. N V P N V P N V P Mitchell Trubitsky, the Nickelodeon player. Nickelodeon most valuable player. You know, I don't know where that came from. Valuable player, like is it N M V P or is it just N V P? Very confusing. Yeah, well, I don't know where that came from, but it was very fascinating. So I, I like Jack's trip to the future, but uh, back to the present here, or really the near future. And uh, for me, this game, the Saints and the Buccaneers, Saints are definitely going to win this game. They're much more of a talented team. Defensively, they're better. Offensively, they have more weapons. You know, Breeze, Brady, who's better? Say what you want. It doesn't really matter. The Saints are just too talented. And Ori, I thought you made a good point about the fact that this Bucks defense really thrives on the blitz, and that's where they are successful. And that's why they beat bad teams with inexperienced quarterbacks. Taylor Heineke, I mean, he played pretty good, but like at the end of the day, the Bucks defense won a lot of those battles. And that's why they aren't able to beat winning teams, because with that defensive scheme you run, experienced quarterbacks, which a lot of these winning teams have, are going to be able to pick up on that. Drew Brees is not going to be fooled by this Bruce Arians defensive scheme. So I, I think it's definitely going to be a win for the Saints. Uh, Drew Brees is, is he was great against Chicago, a good defense. He's going to be great again against Tampa. And like I said, Tampa's only beat one winning team. That's an issue for me. Saints are going to beat the Buccaneers. Jack, who are you going to pick? What, who, who's your pick? NFC South matchup, third Brady Breeze of the year. I mean, I, I, did I already say it? No, I don't think I did. Yeah, I think it's going to be Drew Breeze chilling in the breeze. I think it's an easy game. I think I think just Alvin Kamara wasn't 100%, and he still played really well. I think you get a fully healthy Alvin Kamara. You get Drew Breeze and Michael Thomas hitting their stride together, getting that chemistry back back. And I think I think the Saints are going to win, but I do think it's going to be a pretty close game. All right, all right. So that is the NFC divisional round predictions, and now we'll move on to the AFC, and we'll start with possibly the most exciting team coming out of that Super Wild Card weekend: the Browns. They are facing the Chiefs after walloping the Steelers. Do they have the momentum? Do they have the height? They're going to lose by thirty points. Disagree. Disagree highly. I think they're gonna get absolutely crushed. They're just not. I think they had a lot of. They played with a lot of anger and emotion, beating the Steelers. And I think that was kind of their goal. I don't think their goal were like like I don't think the Browns coaching staff and and, and front office went into the season saying we're gonna win a Super Bowl. Like I think it was kind of like get to the playoffs, get Baker that experience. So I think they're gonna be less motivated playing. Uh, I, I maybe subconsciously, but I think. A lot of the reason why they played so well is just the hatred that they had for the Steelers. I think the Chiefs are this top two team in football. You can make an argument for the Bills, but I think the Chiefs are fantastic. They have the best quarterback on the planet, the best player on the planet. They have the best offense on the planet and the second best coach on the planet, in my opinion. So I think that the Chiefs are going to wallop on the, on the Browns. Who's better than Andy Reid? Belichick. Sammy, Sammy, come on. All right, all right, all right. Sammy, all right, back all right. me up here. No, come on. Hey, no, I, I'm just saying. I mean, I six ring. I'm not 
discussing this because right. one of us is going to end up seriously hurt if we have this discussion. Okay. I mean, Ori, can you back me up on this? I'm backing Jack up on this. Thank it, you. It, it, All right. Thank you. All and right. Play with right. a no talent yeah. team. Oh my god. All right. Fair enough. All right. Uh, for this game, I'm gonna have to take the Chiefs. I mean, it, it's. It's pretty self-explanatory. I like the Browns, and I really like I was saying, I liked what they did against the Steelers, but the Chiefs are going to overwhelm them, and it's going to be a shootout type of a game. I think that's what we can expect. It could be a close type of shootout game, but the Chiefs are going to come out on top, and, you know, I, I think the bye will come out and help them. I mean, all these guys are rested. They're healthy. Chiefs are ready to pounce, and... Um, they're looking to repeat this year. They're going to beat the Browns here in the divisional round. It's tough. So, uh, it's a tough task, though. Or have you gone yet for Chiefs-Browns? No, I have not. So I will now. And I have a little bit of a hot take. Now, the Chiefs have an incredible offense, and the Browns are going to struggle with it. But there's just something about this. I'm telling you, they're going to go out to a really early lead, and they're going to cling on to it with Nick Chubb. I have the Browns winning this game. That Mayfield magic, baby. That Mayfield magic, I mean, I hate the Browns, but I got to admit, I would rather face them than the Chiefs. And um, Oh, and okay. Just, so this is just... <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that is a reason why I would be happy they won. But the reason I think they're going to win is because they're going to go out to an early lead. I think, you know, the Chiefs might come out a little bit lackadaisical, like they did against the Titans in last year's playoffs. Um, if you... Don't remember they were down big like i forgot what the score was, it was like all right it was the texans yeah texans texans, what texans. texans. Yeah. yeah it's like 28 nothing um, or something that was yeah it was like 24 zero so i think that same thing is going to happen and the difference between the texans and the browns in this game is going to be nick chubb he's going to carry them with possession time getting those first down grinding those yards um so i think they're going to just get a big early lead and just carry that all the way to the finish um so I'm taking the upset, the underdog, the Browns. But let's move That's on right. now to our final divisional game. Best, Ravens game, of the, Bills, best game of the week, without a best doubt. Best game of the week, hands down, I agree. Um, oh, yeah. I think everyone will know my pick, so I'll start with um, <laughs> Or yeah. All right. So this is a game that I've struggled with a lot, and it's tough, but – at the end of the day, I have to go with the Bills, man. And yeah, I, I know they kind of struggled against the Colts a little bit. I know the Ravens are hot after that good victory against the Titans, but the Bills are the better team. Josh Allen is the better quarterback, and they have better weapons, and maybe not a better defensive team, but a good enough defensive team to beat the Ravens. And I'm not saying the Ravens can't win. It was a tough decision. It's going to be a close game. But Bills are going to have to come out on top for me. I agree. I think, you know, I have the Bills as my Super Bowl pick. I'm not, I'm not, I am not, I cannot think of the right word to use. I am not shying away from that here. Word pod. I'm keeping with the mojo. I still have the Bills as my Super Bowl pick. I still think they're going to get it done. And I think they're going to beat the Ravens by three points. Okay. And now my pitch. The Ravens can destroy them defensively when it comes to the run game. The Bills will have absolutely no run game. We stop Derrick Henry with ease. We will stop whoever they have in the backfield. Devin Singletary. 
Yeah, Devin Singletary. Yeah, he's nothing compared to Derrick Henry. So we're going to easily stop their run, and they're going to have to rely on Josh Allen. And Josh Allen is going to look to one man, Stephon Diggs. And who is that man going to be covered by? The best corner in the game, Marlon Humphrey. He will dismantle Stephon Diggs. Did you say, okay. Destroy okay. the Bills. 34-10. I said it here. You know, I have my Yankee moments. Let's let's let Ori have his Raven moments because he gets no satisfaction from the Orioles. This is we'll scientifically backed up. How are they going to make it on offense? They can't against this Ravens defense. We match up too well. I think they quite can. They've done it against better defenses than the Ravens. Yeah, I think Stefan Diggs. Um, with that, Mar- I think Marlon Humphrey is great. Stefan Diggs. I think Stefan Diggs is better than AJ Brown. I mean, Stefan Diggs is a better wide AJ receiver. Brown had a Stephon Diggs is a better wide receiver than Marlon Humphreys is corner. Yes, I agree. And that will wrap up our NFL segment for today. We spent a lot of time on it, but deservedly slow because there's a ton of stuff going on. But baseball, we had potentially the news, not maybe the most surprising news, but the biggest news of the offseason. And I called it. I called it. You know, I on episode last episode of Chatter from the Cheap Seats, I said that Lindor was going to the Mets. I did not. We have know. breaking news. Breaking news. You always have to interrupt me with the breaking news, man. Sammy, what am I supposed to do? It's breaking news. All right. Well, what is it? It better be good. Better be uh, good. It's not that good. But the Cowboys have hired their new defensive coordinator. And it is? Dan Quinn, the former Falcons head coach. That's so bad. What are you thinking? That's a bad move. That's so bad. Did you see the Falcons defense this year? Did you see? <laughs> Whatever. That's, That's not a good move. Sam is about to blow a gasket here, folks. Yeah, no, I'm not going to get started with the Cowboys. But um, baseball. About them Cowboys. Well, let's get back to the baseball here. Lindor to the New York Mets, as called by me last week, along with Carlos Carrasco, Cookie Carrasco, who is still a very capable starting pitcher in this league. And the Indians are getting Med Rosario, Andre Jimenez, Josh Wolf, a pitching prospect, and Isaiah Green. What are your thoughts? Because the immediate thought that comes to the minds of most baseball fans is that the Indians got robbed. The Indians, you know, gave away their future, you know, or not really their future, but they gave away a great it was player, a salary not dump. enough. That's, it yeah. was a pure and simple salary dump. That that is what it was. Yeah, I mean, that, really, that, what you that. get. A replacement shortstop, which kind of has to be part of the deal. So I, that's not even really value you're getting back. Andre Jimenez, who is definitely the most valuable piece in this deal. Someone, piece, yeah. you know, prospect and number 92 in the top 100. Not incredibly talented. I mean, he's crazy talented, but he's not like a top, top prospect, but he's pretty good. Josh Wolf, who's kind of a throw in. Isaiah Green, who's kind of a throw in. So you really only get one piece of value in that entire deal for the Indians. And I get it. It's a salary dump. And now their payroll is extremely low, like in the twenties or maybe low thirties. I think I saw a stat saying there are seven players in the MLB that are making more money than the entire Indians payroll. Exactly. And with the Mets, obviously you're getting Lindor, which is huge. And we'll talk about it, but Carrasco's coming in. You're going to have Stroman back. You're going to have guys that are going to be fully healthy, hopefully. And all of a sudden, the Mets are possible World Series contenders. 
Do you think first, do you think they're going to win the NL East? And second, do you think they're actual World Series contenders? Or do you think they're still a few steps away, maybe a George Springer away from being a contender uh, for the World Series? So I think the Mets are a World Series caliber team, but I don't think you can call them a contender unless they prove it because chemistry is a legitimate thing. I think we see it with teams right now, the Nets, uh, super teams in, in the NBA. We saw it with the Rockets. These And I know, obviously, basketball, completely different sport than baseball, and I get that. Baseball is a very much more individualized sport, but I think that the Mets have to prove it first before they can, because people in the Mets fans are saying, oh, we run New York now. They're not better than the Yankees. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. You know, they have some great places, players. Obviously, their core of the team is really strong, but I don't think it's, I don't think they're on the same level as the Yankees, Dodgers, Padres. I'd say they're better. I'd say they're on the same level. Eh, I think their pitching staff is on par with the Padres. But their offense is far behind. And I don't even with, I don't with think the so. chemistry with the chemistry, this trade is perfect for chemistry because Carlos Carrasco is obviously a good guy, but I know, I know. I'm not Lindor, saying and I know Francisco Lindor is a great leader. I'm just saying it's a lot of new pieces in the clubhouse. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and I obviously I, I think know. it's the right new pieces. The pieces I agree with that, but you never know. Team. You never know. You never know. But Lindor is the guy. I mean, I was I at like a thing for my school, Brandon Geyer, former Indians player was speaking and he's talking about how much of a leader Lindor was in the clubhouse and that's what he's going to bring to the Mets the Mets need that you know you don't think not a team that 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 have the best chemistry and Lindor is going to help that tremendously they call him smile for a reason and Mr. Smile Mr. Smile yeah and or I want to ask you uh George Springer because the Mets are still kind of in this pursuit of him do you favorite getting Lindor like diminishes the chances of them getting Springer or do you think that makes them even more attractive for a guy like Springer um, to come to New York? Well, you know, I think it slightly diminishes the urgency potentially because now they already have a, you know, a superstar, an absolute superstar. And they're a very, very good team. It's going to be interesting to see because obviously with their new owner, um, you know, he said he wants to spend money. He wants to win a world series and, um, you know, he, he's, he's been backing that up with his moves recently. And to get George Springer would complete this team. Yes, they need some help on the bullpen. But with that they offense, need a center fielder um, it would be electric. You have a great starting pitching rotation. What would you say? They need a center fielder bad. Yeah, yeah they do need it's a center It's definitely fielder. a position of need. Yeah, I would say it would completely, like, really perfectly round this team out and really make them contenders. I think that would definitely elevate them. Um, uh, Lindor definitely helps them get there, but um, I think George Springer would really be the cherry on top for already a great free. I agree, and I, I think they are the favorite to get Lindor, but that's enough Mets talk right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, before we end the Mets talk, actually, I have one more point to make. He, he Sammy, you mentioned he is a leader. He is a, he, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest parts about the entire trade because beforehand, uh, I mean, they don't have that guy in the clubhouse. Like Jacob exactly. deGrom, he's not an outspoken personality. Pete Alonso, he's not an outspoken personality. But I think, I mean, obviously, Francisco Lindor, he's only 26, 27 years old. He's very young. Now, moving on to DJ LeMayhew. Um, a report came out saying that he is going to re-engage with other clubs. Should this uh should the Yankees be concerned? Should Yankee fans be concerned? No. Yankee fans are freaking out on Twitter. And I just want to say to them, dude, 
this is how free agency works. They're not only going to talk to the Yankees. That's not how it works. Like they're going to talk with other teams. But I, and, and this is my thing. This is my thing. Yankee fans want DJ LeMayhew. They want to offer him a hundred million dollars right now. No one's offering him that. DJ LeMayhew wants to be a Yankee. If the Yankees match whatever is the top offer, he's gonna go to the Yankees. So it's like if you're if you're in an auction and you have the winning bid with like 15 seconds left and 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 you bet fifty dollars, why would you raise it to sixty dollars when you have the winning bid? That's sort of how I feel right now. And there's not really many suitors for him. The Dodgers are a I think Dodgers the Lindor are up. trade takes um uh the Mets out of contention for DJ LeMayu because they don't need D- like like it's not a position of need for them it would it would it wouldn't make sense they would be much better to focus their money and energy on Springer the Dodgers are a potential suitor however they're not they would they're going they're going after DJ as a backup plan their main plan is Justin Turner and Justin Turner is 34 I don't see him going anywhere to be honest we'll see the, he, I don't think DJ wants to go to the Blue Jays you don't even know where the Blue Jays are going to be playing. They could be playing in Pittsburgh. They could be playing in Buffalo again in a minor league baseball park. I don't think the Yankees are going to let them go to Toronto anyway. But, I mean, I, I think it makes too much sense for both sides here. So I am not nervous whatsoever. I'm still 90% chance he signs. I mean, the, the thing is, it does show that he's frustrated. I mean, he's frustrated with not getting this deal done quickly. He's obviously, there's something going on with these talks that he's not liking. That's the concern. But he's I mean, not frustrated. Yeah, he's, he's not going to be frustrated up. enough to the point where he's going to go to another team. But that's, I mean, it's heading in that direction. And like, I think the Yankees want to end this as soon as possible. They want to get him back as soon as possible. And the fear of uh, losing LeMayhew. And uh, before we go, we're almost done, but we had another big, one of the first big free agent moves, Kyle Schwarber. He had like 38 home runs a few years ago. He, he could definitely hit over 40 in his career. Signs with the Washington Nationals. One year, $10 million mutual team option for the second year in 2022. Cubs fan is obvious. So for me, it's obviously near and dear to my heart. Sweet. I love Schwarber. I think it's a great signing because the Nationals are really making moves like they want to contend. Because they can. They trade for Josh Bell. You know, one of, when he's on, one of the best. That's have had a big offseason, man. Yeah, man. One of the best first basements in baseball offensively. And then Kyle Schwarber, when he's on, and uh, we don't know if there's going to be a DH yet, but he's one of the best offensive left fielders in baseball when he's hitting well, which he hasn't been as of late past few years. But 2017, I mean, 2016, he had a magical World Series run. So, he is capable of a lot. He's still a young player. He's like 27, 28. So people should not write off Kyle Schwarber. The Nationals are not. And I think for one year, you'll see what he does. And then maybe you ink into an extension. Maybe you keep him around for some more time. But I think it's a great deal because the Nationals, like I said, they're a team that wants to contend. They're making moves like they want to contend. They're really making themselves um, a team to be scared of. Uh, in the NL East, NL East, man, it's going to be crazy. Mets, the NL East Braves, is Marlins, legit. Nationals, legit. They're kind of looking like they might not be too good, but yeah. even I mean, they're still probably going to have Real Muto. So it's Harper. I I don't I don't think they're going to sign Real Muto. Uh, where else is Real Muto going to go? I don't think he has a market. But the Phillies have come out and said they don't have the money. They're not spending that kind of money. 
But at the end of the day, he's going to go somewhere. I mean, I I, I know, but I don't I think it's. Do, good. I, I, I mean, the owner has come out and said that they are not going to. He's not in the plans. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll see with Romito. But I mean, at the end of the day, and at least has five teams that can contend. So it'll be a fun division for sure. But that just about does it. No hoop ball today, ladies and gentlemen. No hoop ball. No basketball, but we will definitely update you next time. A lot of fun stuff going on in the NBA. So we will definitely, we promise to get back on the basketball frame. We promise. And Um, Ori has a haircut to get to. He's going to get that beautiful head of hair cut. So we're going to go for now, Ori. Any last words before you get your beautiful hair shaved off? Um, not Luscious. shaved off, but um, I do. I do hope Michelle is still there. It's getting kind of is that is that your your haircut person? That's, that's my barber. Yeah, she's amazing. Sammy, any last words? Um, uh, not really. Uh, fun stuff for sports. Obviously, we'll get back to basketball next time. Hope you guys liked it. Thank you for sticking around to the end. It means a lot to all of us. Definitely leave a voicemail. I guess Jack can leave that next. Uh, DM yeah, and on Instagram, if you to, follow us, all that. If you look into the descri- description of our podcast, whatever platform, you'll see the voicemail line. It's 202-743-1767. Great show, ladies and gentlemen. We talked about everything from the football with Philip Rivers, what he's going to do, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, to the baseball, Francisco Lindor, JT Remuto, even for a bit. James McCann, Pete Alonzo. We talked about everything, and that's going to be it for us today from Chatter from the Cheap Seats. Ori, take us out. Bye.